As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. We finally put Week 12 completely behind us and move ahead to Week 13 on this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. Hello, everybody, and welcome into Fantasy Football in 15. And guess what, everybody? Week 12's over. The longest week in NFL history has finally ended. It was literally one week. We started a week ago today on Thanksgiving with two, what should have been three games, and that third game finally happens just yesterday on Wednesday. We can finally say Week 12 is over. Week 13 is here. I am Michael Beller. I am here with Derek Van Riper. Derek, it's been a long ride, but we are made it to Week 13. How you doing? It's amazing, but yeah, here we are, and uh, I'm excited. Fortunately, it doesn't seem like there are a lot of delays expected with any new teams going into Week 13, so Fingers maybe <laughs> maybe things are getting back on track here for the final four weeks of the fantasy season. Ooh, let's hope so from your mouth to God's ears, Derek, because I don't know if any of us want to deal with another week like the one we just had here. And right away, I mean, right, I mean, no Thursday game we know, but hey, week 13 of uh, game-wise, just a couple of days away. We uh, know that Wednesday is our first big day of practice news and other news trickling in, and that's where we're going to focus things on this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. Let's start, Derek, with Dalvin Cook. Uh, suffered what, in in the moment, uh, looked like a, a bad ankle injury last week. I was watching that game. I have Dalvin Cook in one of my most important leagues, and I thought, oh man, like this, this looks bad. And then suddenly, he's back out on the field, like three plays later for the Vikings. It was crazy. So I was able to finish that game, still dealing with the after effects of the ankle injury. He says he's good to go. Obviously, you're starting him. No doubt about that. He's starting for the Vikings. He's starting for you. Uh, but the Vikings are 10 and a half point favorites this week against the Jaguars. If they get up big in this, is there any reason to have workload concerns for Delvin Cook? I guess there could be because Delvin Cook is one of those players that you don't want to overwork in the current circumstances. And if you have that big lead, you have who I think is a competent backup in Alexander Madison that you could turn to for a larger role than usual. But if the Vikings open up a big enough lead to back off of Delvin Cook, it is more likely than not he's a big part of it, right? Yep. So maybe instead of getting to that 25 fantasy point average that he's carrying this year in PPR <laughs> leagues, yep. maybe he gets you closer to 18. You're not going to sit him down, obviously. So, uh, you know, you just 
lowering the expectations slightly at this point. It's interesting because this is the easiest matchup left on the schedule for the Vikings. Uh, a few pretty tough run defenses for the season with the Bucks, the Bears, and the Saints coming up. But as we saw with the Bears on Sunday night against the Packers, if Akeem Hicks isn't in that lineup, mm -hmm. that's a defense you can run on. So uh, anyway, you look at Delvin Cook, and I think you're still talking about a guy that gets 20 touches pretty easily. Maybe they just don't push, push him to 30 in games that they're winning handily. Yeah, definitely think that the workload could come down this week. But as we said, even if the, I mean, if the workload was coming, if, if Mike Zimmer came out and said, I promise you, I swear on my life, we are not going to have him in the uh, lineup for more than 12 touches, you still want Delvin Cook in your lineup. So just something to keep in mind, but obviously he's going to be out there for both the Vikings and for fantasy managers. Someone else who might be back out there is Zach Ertz, activated from IR after missing about a month with his ankle injury. We got a couple of uh, questions here with Zach Ertz. The first with him, just with Zach Ertz alone, are you firing him up? Are you comfortable firing Zach Ertz up in this first game back if you've held on to him, understanding what the state of the tight end position is? Yeah, I think that's what it comes down to, right, is your replacement for Ertz probably doesn't bring anything close to his ceiling, and even if he's playing two-thirds of the snaps that he ordinarily would, that's still about as good of a floor as the tight ends you're going to find in that 6-12 to 12 range. So, I'm comfortable playing Ertz. I have to think the Eagles are going to run a ton of 12 personnel. They've had trouble at wide receiver. Mm -hmm. Obviously, quarterback play hasn't been good. Some issues on that offensive line as well. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if Ertz and Dallas Goddard are their leading receivers on a per-game basis the rest of the way. Wouldn't surprise me either, and Dallas Goddard has pretty much already been there. Uh, Eagles are taking on the Packers this week, and that's the other question here, Derek. Dallas Goddard, I, I don't see any reason why this um, even really hurts him at all. I mean, I guess to say it doesn't hurt him at all might be a little bit of a stretch when I immediately uh, try to pull those words back uh, after they go <laughs> out of my mouth, but I, he's been so good for this team, and he was already hinting at this before his injury. He did it last season. He's basically always done a little bit more than could be realistically asked of him, given what his role has been in Zach Ertz's shadow, and now you see two big statistical games for him over these last couple of weeks. We can give him a pass for having to get over his own injury and starting off slow once he was activated off the IR. I, th I mean, if you had, if I had to bet on which tight end is more productive from this point forward, I say Dallas Goddard. And as you say, with all the issues that they've had with their wide receivers, I wouldn't be surprised if both of these guys are top eight or nine tight ends for the remainder of the season. Right. I think even though we haven't seen a lot of games this year with both Ertz and Goddard healthy back in weeks one and two, I mean, you're looking at 16 combined targets split nine and seven favoring Goddard in the opener, uh, eight, seven, in week two, I mean, plenty to go around for both of those guys when they were out there. We've seen a little bit of that with Goddard and Richard Rodgers, so I assume this is sort right, of right. cast Richard Rodgers aside, but uh, this is a team that is built to run personnel that way. Uh, it's weird because we don't often see teams where you would actually trust two tight ends in season-long fantasy, but I think the Eagles are the exception to the rule with the personnel they have. Yeah, Richard Rodgers got six targets against uh, the Seahawks just last week, caught three of them for 53 yards and a touchdown. Of course, we know uh, the circumstances of that touchdown in most of those 53 yards, but hey, he still had five targets before that. So this is a team that is very comfortable featuring its tight ends, multiple tight ends in ways that other offenses simply aren't. And I, I don't think, I mean, it's obviously partly a function of the limitations of their receivers, but it's not just that. Zach Ertz, even though maybe he's started to take the turn around the corner of his career and 
Dallas Goddard, and no matter where you put those two guys, they are going to be featured in their passing games, and that is definitely not going to change now that both are healthy for the Eagles. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Okay, Derek, let's move things over to Detroit. Of course, the team will be playing its first game after letting Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn go. Daryl Bevel, the offensive coordinator, taking over as the interim coach to finish out the season. And Daryl Bevel made some interesting comments on Wednesday saying that he wants to pick the pace up for the offense. And you would think that Matt Patricia... Being a defensive coach first, being a defensively-minded head coach, would have let things uh, just sort of lie on the offensive side of the ball, would have trusted Daryl Bevel, a, uh, a veteran offensive coordinator, to do his thing. But the fact that Bevel was so vocal about wanting to change the style of the offense to pick the pace up you know, maybe suggests that Patricia had a little bit heavier of a hand on the offensive side of the ball than you would would expect a, a coach of his credentials to have. Um, you know, when this team is healthy, that could be very good. We have DeAndre Swift practicing in limited fashion on Wednesday as he tries to make his way back from the concussion. Kenny Galladay did not practice. He's still trying to get back from a hip injury. But I would say everyone in this offense, Matthew Stafford, those two guys, Marvin Jones, TJ Hawkinson, if they really can play at an elevated pace, that's going to be good news for all these guys. Maybe it's uh, hindered a little bit by the fact that this first game with Daryl Bevel as the interim coach is against the Chicago Bears in Chicago. But I got to say, I feel a little bit better about these Lions players than I did 10 days ago. Yeah, I do wonder if with Patricia out, if there's just a weight sort of lifted off of the offense. I was Kenny Galladay would suggest so, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and Galladay is at least questionable at this point. He's not going to practice or didn't practice on Wednesday. So I don't know if he's coming back just yet. But if you're going to run more plays, that's just a, a rising tide lifts all boats sort of scenario, barring uh, reduced efficiency from the offense, right? You can run more plays and not pick up first downs and just punt faster. Uh, but I think I think there's a chance that they could actually get a few things right. But I was really surprised, like you, that Matt Patricia seemingly had a lot of influence on this offense. I wonder if they're going to get away from some of the run-heavy tendencies. And I, we're starting to see the transition in the backfield where DeAndre Swift, before that concussion, was taking on a larger role. So maybe we get to see Daryl Bevel's version of the Lions offense, which could be better than the... Patricia Bevel version of this offense we've seen thus far. Uh, is there anybody that you weren't previously starting, though, that you're going to bump into your lineups as a result of this change? 
I don't think so. I mean, it's really the guys that we talk about, Swift, Stafford, Galladay, Marvin Jones, and TJ Hawkinson. There's really no one to reach for. Even if, like, Swift is somehow going to miss another game, I wouldn't be suddenly trying to start Adrian Peterson. You know, I don't think there's anyone really else in this offense that you're looking at as a starter. I would maybe be a little bit more interested in Marvin Jones, especially if Galladay were able to return. Marvin Jones just has the feel of a guy who is much better cast as a number two receiver uh, than he is as a number one drawing top coverage. I think a lot of us would have expected bigger numbers out of him at this point of the season if we knew how much time Kenny Galladay was going to miss, and it just hasn't been there, averaging fewer than four catches and fewer than 50 yards per game, Derek. I mean, that's just, those are surprising numbers. Even from a guy who coming into the season, you had, what, maybe wide receiver three at best sort of uh, hopes for, but... Definitely didn't think he was going to fall to being a wide receiver five type, and that's really where he is. He's basically turned into a touchdown or bust player, so I would feel better about him with both of those things happening, Detroit really upping the tempo and Kenny Galladay being back. But for me, that's the only real change. I am very excited, however, to see DeAndre Swift in an offense promising this sort of tempo. He was already getting going before that concussion he suffered in practice a couple of weeks ago. So I don't know if I would change anything, but I think I would up what I felt for DeAndre Swift for the remainder of the season with you change anything with these guys no I'm in the same boat where I I could see Swift elevating to the level of being a a difference maker down the stretch but I think he was already trending that way he had 21 touches a season high in the last game he played in week 10 against Washington 149 yards and a touchdown in that one so I I think we're looking at 20 touches per week for him things are going to open up schedule wise Bears Packers Titans before a pretty tough championship week matchup for Swift in week 16 as they face the Buccaneers. But overall, that's a good schedule for these next three weeks. All right, on the other side of that game, just to note here, Mitch Trubisky will start once again for the Bears in Week 13 and have to imagine, minus an injury, he's going to be the starter for the Bears for the remainder of the season. David Johnson could be getting back this week. The Texans opened up his window to return, so he could be activated from the IR to face the Indianapolis Colts. Simple question for you, Derek. We know it's a tough matchup. If David Johnson is activated, are you starting him? Uh, yeah, I think I am probably as more of a flex or an RB2, but volume was there even when things weren't going well. Mm -hmm. You know, 15 touches is kind of his floor most weeks that he can get to 20 if they don't fall far behind. And I do wonder, without Will Fuller, if one of the other adjustments, we talked about the group of receivers and how those targets might be redistributed, could we see an uptick in opportunities in the passing game for David Johnson down the stretch? David Johnson touches by week before the injury, 15-15, uh, The volume's just going to be there. Even if he's only giving you three and a half yards per touch, you're going to get to a yardage level with him where one touchdown and you're very happy he's in your lineup. Two touchdowns and he smashed five yards per touch and one touchdown and he smashed. So uh, even though the ceiling is nowhere near what it was in that one magical season with Arizona and that David Johnson is never walking through the door again, he's a pretty easy guy to play even in a tough matchup with the Indianapolis Colts. I think the same goes for Brandon Ayuk here, Derek. Uh, He should make his return this week. 49ers playing on Monday Night Football, the originally scheduled Monday Night Football game against the Bills, that could be a high-scoring game. And, you know, Brandon Ayuk, before he missed a couple of games here, uh, had scored touchdowns in three out of four games. I think even with Debo Samuel and Raheem Mostert back, this is a team that needs to get the ball in the hands of basically those three guys and those three guys alone with George Kittle still out. So I would feel pretty good about Brandon Ayuk this week. How about you? Yeah, I think he's definitely startable. I mean, I think Debo Samuel commands top attention 
which is good because it leaves more favorable matchups for Ayuk as the true number two. I think things will get more complicated if George Kittle makes it back at some point during the fantasy playoffs. Yeah. Maybe this offense can't support three pass catchers each and every week with the way they like to run the ball and with the volume of targets that you know, Kittle and a healthy Debo Samuel would take over on a week-to-week basis. But until Kittle's back in the fold, I think Ayuk's someone I do trust on a week-to-week basis. Agree with you 100%. We will revisit Brandon Ayuk if and when George Kittle's able to get back, but until then, feel pretty good about him and that playmaking ability in my lineup. A few quick injury things to run through here. Gardner Minshew healthy, but Mike Glennon is going to remain the starter for the Jaguars. Can't figure out why, but okay, Doug Marone, guess you're really committed to uh, getting one of those top two picks and still trying to be in that Trevor Lawrence derby. Julio Jones was limited in practice. Todd Gurley participated in individual drills that is good for both of them. Philip Lindsay did not practice on Wednesday because of a knee injury, so we'll keep an eye on that. Tua Tungavailoa and Savan Ahmed both returned to practice on Wednesday, so arrow pointing up for both of those guys. And that's going to do it for this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. You can still get yourself a subscription to The Athletic for $1 a month through the end of this week, so do it while you can. Go to theathletic.com slash football in 15 to do so. For DVR, I am Michael Beller. We'll be back with you tomorrow to wrap up the week. Until then, thanks for listening and have a great day.